0: our little Christmas puddings. We are back for episode 12 of Maybe Baby. I'm Kate Lawler.
1: Ho, 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 ho. <sighs> oh, and I am Santa Bodge.
0: You are the worst Santa. That is an awful impression.
1: Why would you say such a cool thing when I'm about to have a daughter and you just call me the worst because Santa? Because
0: I've met Santa and I know exactly how he ho ho hoes. It's
1: not a surprise Santa called you a ho. Zing!
0: <laughs> You're such a penis. <laughs> this week, we found out we are heading into a new and really exciting tier of COVID lockdown due to an ever more infectious strain of the virus. What a delight that was to hear as a pregnant woman.
1: Yeah, mask up people. It's no joke. They do work and can save a life.
0: Anyway, there's plenty of COVID coverage out there. That's not what you come to Maybe Baby for, is it now? Is it not? No. So let's talk a little bit about this week's topic instead. It's about flexible working. As you may know, I host a radio show and that job is on a contract, meaning I don't receive maternity pay from my company like full-time employees. Brilliant. Um, So I wanted to speak to somebody who's campaigned in this area to try and bring more flexible working parents, and basically anyone else who needs it.
1: One thing we should flag is that we recorded via the medium of modern technology, but our guest only had a MacBook. And you know how that works out sometimes when you're trying to make it work. They look lovely, the MacBooks. They're not great for audio quality. Make you sound like a pissed off dialect sometimes, don't they? Good one, Apple. Persist with it. It's a really great listen.
0: What he said. We'll be back at the end with another of your funny emails and how we'd love you to be involved in our next episode. I am so pleased to finally have this week's guest on Maybe Baby as we're going to talk about a subject that's very much on my mind how to juggle a career with being a parent. She launched Flex Appeal in 2015, a campaign to push for flexible working for all. She's also the co author of the best selling books How to Parent the Shit Out of Life and Where's My Happy Ending with her Hobster Matt, aka. Papa Pucker. So hopefully we'll pick up some uh, practical parenting slash relationship advice, Bodge. It is the wonderful Anna Whitehouse, a.k.a. Mother Pucker. Uh, do we call you Anna or Mother? What do you prefer? Anna. Yeah, Anna's Anna <laughs> fine. I don't
2: know Mother, Mama, like, or you throughout the day. So uh, just my name would be lovely, actually, at some point.
0: Uh, you've got two daughters, haven't you? And you've just put them both to bed. I think so. I do think
2: I hear... so no, there's one here. Do you want to come and say hello? <laughs> oh... <laughs> Get the dummy
0: out. Do you want to say hello? hello? Hello. Hello. How are you?
2: And this is the older one. Do you want to say hello? Hello. Really close? What are you
0: doing up?
2: We
1: can't sleep. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that sounded like a question. I think you can sleep. I think you don't want to sleep.
2: <laughs> oh, and Matt's now back. You're getting the full family. <laughs> this Sorry. is brilliant. Uh, no, I'm doing, doing a podcast. Do you want to say a quick Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness. Right, I'm okay. going to ask bubble. you all to clear out now. That's... On, Bubbles,
1: bubble,
2: bubble, bubble. That, that was bubble. the goldfish. Okay, yeah, yeah, the goldfish. That Have
0: was we the met goldfish. the goldfish as well? Bubbles? <laughs> Everyone out. That's the best night.
2: Up you go, up you go. go. You'll find yourselves saying that a lot. Up you go, off you you go. Off you pop. Okay. Anyway, that's them. That's the family. I love that.
0: How did you find the last year homeschooling?
2: Um, Matt and I did the maths on it. We were like, in lockdown, you were potentially doing an eight hour day, three hours of homeschooling. You were then doing childcare 12 hours around that. And then you'd get like an hour left to sleep and eat. So I'd say we did what we did. We did what we could. Um, I think the low was um, taking my youngest for a walk, and uh, I was trying to hurry her up. I was like, come on, come on, we got to go. We've got to go. She was walking at the pace of like a hedgehog, and she just turned around to me, and she just went, fucking wait! <laughs> <laughs> and that was the point where I thought, if I don't laugh right now, I'm, I am going to cry. That's... Kind of push me over the edge. Like I was like it was like an East End barmaid. You know, oh my like Mid
0: lockdown, mid homeschooling, and I just thought, well she's looked one word <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna talk about flexible working, but a lot of that it's kind of you know reliant on things like schools and clubs being open, which they weren't for such a long time this year. How did that impact your life?
2: Yeah we I mean we were quite reliant on her going. Um I think when everything went into lockdown i don't know about you but there was certain adrenaline that kind of kept you going and it was quite exciting at first in terms of like having all this time with your family i say that that was the first 24 hours um <laughs> and then just sort of throwing things at the tv as joe wicks is doing his thing and um crying quietly uh over a goblet of gin and evenings um but joking aside it was a really nice time to actually work out what she's doing at school you know mm. like I felt so disconnected before, and this is part of, you know, ties in with what we're kind of campaigning for, that you lose so much of them growing up and who they are by not being there, not understanding their day. And she was teaching me things I didn't know, you know. Um, well, algebra. And, yeah, like, you know, I was Googling a lot of stuff. I was like, what is a split infinitive? I don't know. <laughs> I no idea. Um, I don't know about you, but it was just uh, having that headspace and not that fear of, not having any fear of missing out of anything that wasn't weighing down on the world um while it was an awful context um those tiny bubbles that we found ourselves in i really um you know enjoyed getting to know my family a bit better and you know i'm not saying it was all mm. better really. this definitely wasn't fucking
0: wait, but um, <laughs> you know peaks and troughs is it wrong for me to say i can't wait to hear our daughters swear for the first time like it's, it's wrong I should not be excited about that
1: what do you think her first swear word will be it will
0: probably be fuck it will it? be
1: fuck yeah. yeah
2: it's whatever you two argue about or say in the car like if you're <laughs> in the car that team tends to be where they kind of absorb most of it um, <laughs> okay. a lot of people were messaging when I put this up on stories and they were just saying uh, oh yeah my kid the other day just saw somebody beat their horn and just went fucking twat <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow, this three. You know, and you're like, oh, wow, yeah, okay. You forget forget how much you swear in the car as part of your general conversation. Um, So, yeah, you've got all that to come, guys. You've got all that to come.
1: How long was it after you got married that you had your first?
2: So, we had our first, um, I think it was like three years afterwards. But we really struggled to have kids. And I think um, Mm. that was the bit that I didn't really understand I sort of had gone through life going right okay you know I'm gonna go and get a job or I'm gonna go and get married uh and not to anyone just you know <laughs> it was like all right he'll do <laughs> he's a two for one and uh then got to the pregnancy bit and it just uh, didn't work for us you know we had uh three miscarriages before uh, having the first yeah. and two before having the second and I uh, remember getting to, I don't know how it's been in uh, the pandemic for you both, but I remember getting to the OB um, ward and I had never heard a heartbeat. And so when I heard my eldest heartbeat, it was the first time in four pregnancies that I'd heard that and I had gone in just expecting it not to happen and I'd not put my hopes up and I was in another place entirely. I just had accepted it wasn't going to work and then suddenly hearing life that little fl- that flutter that thud uh I think it was just utterly heartbreakingly eye openly, like <laughs> wonderful and uh I think unexpected I think is uh the word and um I don't know if our journey would have been different if we'd have had uh conceived my oldest straight away but mm. it's a lot longer than we expected and uh I think you know that journey definitely made my husband and I understand each other a little bit better.
0: Yeah, that's such a difficult thing to have to go through together, especially... I'm sorry you went through that, especially between the two girls. Well, um, yeah, it's like
2: people say, um, oh, well, at least, you know, you've got, uh, you've got one. That's what a lot of the older generations say. And you're like, yeah, but, you know, uh, when you open broken your leg, you don't say, well, at least the other one's working. You yeah. go, that's really quite tough. Um, and I think that was it to anyone listening who is going through it or has a friend who's going through it because it's one in four. So it's, you know, it's a big proportion of women and men who um, go through this is um, you don't want anyone to placate or you don't want anyone to try and make it better for you because it's not Mm. better, it's grief. You know, it's it's pure grief and it's not something to be swept off the table because at least you've got one or at least you could get pregnant. Um, and i think the best thing was my friend pippa who is my eldest godmother now and she just came round one day and she just went it's shit and i'm here and she cracked open uh the jaffa cakes and got a cup of tea on and we just sat together and i cried mm. and that was the most helpful thing was just having someone sit in a hole with me like empathy versus sympathy you know i think sympathy always starts with at least whereas empathy gets down in that hole and holds your hand and gives you a Jeff a cake.
0: Mm. Thanks for sharing that with us, Anna, because I have multiple friends who are trying at the minute and going through their own IVF journeys, and it's really heartbreaking, especially when you want to share your joy because you're pregnant, but then you feel really bad and you just wish that it was them because you haven't been trying for as long, and there's so much guilt that it's I very felt. It's
2: complex situation oh. when you've got a friend or you are that person going through baby loss or mm. recurrence and like you say the complex emotions like the excitement that you have you know and also even just I think social media being brought into this um you know like posting an amazing photo of your baby bump and you know your friend's gonna see it and mm. you're proud and it's it's a very complex situation I think to navigate mm. um but um I don't oh. think there's any animosity uh, I think it's just you know it's tough yeah.
0: Um Give us the quick elevator pitch on Flex Appeal for our listeners.
2: Flex Appeal is for anybody trying to navigate uh, needing flexible working. So it's for everyone, essentially. It's um, trying to reclaim our time in a modern world that expects us to be on sort of 24-7 and we're sort of leading to burnout etc um but yeah it's for it's for everyone and I think that was the biggest misconception when I um started Flex Appeal when um my flexible working request was denied Um, and mine was denied because um I was struggling with nursery pickup and uh, my husband and I were balancing it but I was kind of getting there late, so I'd leave my office at sort of four fifty-nine PM, get on the tube, which we call like running the gauntlet, uh, to get <laughs> to a nursery, and then I was sat on one of those sort of tiny primary coloured chairs meant for an infant, and told off by nursery because uh, they needed uh, me to be there on time, and then charged a pound a minute after six, uh, and it was just this cycle where I was like, I am not failing here. I feel the system is failing, and I snapped one day, and. Instead of posting about avocado toast uh, on Instagram, I just went, I quit my job today. I can't make it work, but I don't think it's my fault. Um, and that was the point where I asked for for working and it was rejected. And I thought, you know what, this is the key to unlocking women's careers. You know, you can't be whinging hmm. about why there aren't or questioning why there aren't any women at the top when you're stunting their careers the minute they have a child. Um hmm. So, I thought that was the key to unlocking it, and I was surprised no one else at the time was really talking about it on a large scale uh, so that was where it started but it 's not for mums it 's for everyone it 's for dads it 's for yeah. anyone with caring responsibilities, living with disabilities it 's really for us. we have just fought for it because it 's to ensure that uh, employment is open to everyone and why shouldn 't it be you know i think that 's the biggest question is why are, why are why are companies not interested in a diverse and inclusive workforce is that simple
0: Mm. especially when you only asked to start didn't you ask to start 15 minutes late and leave 15 minutes early
2: yeah it was a matter of minutes because in their mind um it would open the floodgates to others seeking flexible working Mm. and my point and my husband's point is well why don't you open those floodgates because people are drowning behind them and that was really what we wanted to question, was why is that a suitable business reason for rejecting a flexible working request, where, like you say, it was a matter of minutes and my productivity was not going to shift. And I got on very well with the company. You know, it didn't make sense for them. It was a business thing. They're losing talent. That's what I thought. So how can we help companies retain the best talent? You know, a lot, there's a lot of women um, who should still be in roles that they've been pushed out for.
1: I mean, I, I've worked kind of in more of an office environment where where I'm full-time. So one company I worked at, there was a sales director, and then they decided to make him the MD. And the first thing he did, there was three women who were working uh, four days a week, I think, or three or four days a week. So flexibly, but kind of less days or whatever. He brought them in and he told them they had to go full-time or quit. And he insisted that he'd had legal consultations. He'd talked to an HR person. This is the way it is. And I remember one of them was in my team and she came and talked to me and my jaw just hit the floor. I was like, what the actual fuck? So I said, this is my unofficial advice, but sue him and su- well, sue the company. Anyway, to cut a long story short, they got together, they sued the company and they won a substantial settlement to the, to the point where the company actually was going to make a profit that year and made a loss because of how much they had to pay out but that attitude is still there and it's still very ingrained. And it's
2: exactly yeah. that literally you've pinpointed it is that, um, archaic, bullish, like if I can't see what you're doing or see where you are, you're not doing anything. And that's the only reason someone would insist on that because people can work around that. Cause obviously you're going to be going into this, uh, both of you navigating this new world of work and parenting and, mm. There was um, a guy who said to me, a dad, and he said that he put his flexible working request in to his boss and his boss went, well, can't your missus do that? And (laughs) he went, well, my missus, is she's a a brain surgeon for the NHS, so uh, you pick a lane.
0: You know, oh my god
2: double misconception I'm not saying that everybody has to be a brain surgeon you know to ensure that their partner gets flexible working but it's these archaic misconceptions of can't her indoors do it and it's like no she can't you, if, if a company cannot uh, cope with somebody going on parental leave or somebody working a little bit flexibly then they shouldn't be in business uh, there's an award in Birmingham Women's Hospital that works flexibly You know, if they can do it in the NHS and it's not working (laughs) perfectly, but they do ward led rostering there where basically the nurses take control of their shifts and they inform the matron when they have argued amongst themselves who does what. Instead of the matron saying, you need to work here and you need to do that. They just are entrusted to work out amongst themselves. And that's great. Different types of flexible working. If uh, You know, if the NHS can do it then you know, a company, a recruitment company or a slightly you know more nine to five role can do it. So um, yeah, I'm not surprised by what you said.
1: <laughs> I find it insane because there is this real kind of almost fetishization <laughs> of work where there is the perception that people go to work and they work flat out from nine to five or whatever hours they do and then they go home. And it's just simply not true. In all of my years, I would say people do not work flat out at work so why not find have an honest conversation go right okay how much time do you really need to finish these tasks do you really need to to be sat at your desk and in fact you need to pick up your kids is that more important and I think we just don't have those conversations but funny enough what's kind of happened inadvertently from the pandemic is that flexible working has almost become the new norm and I say flexible by kind of location I suppose not necessarily hours yet So have you seen the shift from people you talk to that suddenly workplaces are more relaxed and uh, there's more allowances?
2: Yeah, I mean, there was um, a little moment of um, joy when uh, quite a few companies who had refused um, to take our reports that we've done to try and implement flexible working and help them navigate it in their companies saying it's just never going to be possible for us. Never going to be possible for our industry. And then, pretty much three weeks later, it had to be possible for them because Mm. of the pandemic. And I think it's very interesting to see when cold, hard cash is at stake, what is in fact possible. Because if those companies hadn't zoomed in, hadn't used Slack, they would have had to shut down. So I think there was this initial wave of, yeah, we've been saying the tech is there, you can do it. and I think were, what it's done is facilitate this sense of, oh, people can work anywhere and everywhere across all industries. They've just had to. But I think what you're coming around to, which I found really interesting, is people enjoy the office. You know, they just don't want to be um, like you, exactly what you said. They just don't want to be strapped there nine to five or mm. being told what to do when, when actually if you say, right, you know, we need to achieve this by this point, do it when you can in that week you know and, if, and if some people it takes two hours because they've worked really hard in their careers to get to the point where they're good enough to do a job in two hours but i think the thing the misconception is a lot of companies are kind of patting themselves on the back for being now flexible and family
0: friendly <laughs> yeah
2: it's like, no you just had didn't have a choice you know yeah um, well
0: at least if there's you know one positive to come from the pandemic it's you know that this has to impact the future of working flexibly and hopefully employers see the you know the positives of making parents happier in the workplace and if that's just giving them a little bit more freedom to work the hours that they can but you just-
1: see on job listings now every job listing you'll see will say flexible working applies
2: yeah and they'll get better talent because of it you know it's it's that's what struck me as quite mad is there's um, a company called pursuit marketing in glasgow and they basically exactly what you just said earlier they just sat all their team down and went guys okay so we're going to pay you all the same. Got the same dollar in your pocket at the end of the week. But how quickly do you think you can get everything you need done? And they all went down to a four-day week, um, so that they then got that Friday with their family or to go to yoga, whatever it was. But they got paid the same wage. So uh, then two years later, they doubled profits, and they were just soaring because people were happier, healthier. They were getting things done quicker, more efficiently, and mm. then they to have a three-day weekend. Who? in their right mind, would say no to that situation. Who wouldn't make that work? You know, I think that's the thing to look at is, you know, it's the carrot and stick approach, isn't it? It's like you can have a full day off on a Friday if you work your socks off Monday. Yes, please. Well,
1: I was going to say, some people might say, oh, you know, that's fine. It's a small company. Microsoft in Japan went down to a four-day week and paid staff the same. And they increased sales by 40%. Microsoft so not you know so it can work big or small
2: and I think that's the thing is the constant resistance before pre-pandemic if it's not for us we can't do it our industry can't do it and they can and I think that's what's really exciting now is that the floodgates have been opened not just for parents, for everyone. I think we're going to have a world post-pandemic where people ebb and flow between office and home, um, not asking permission to go for a smear test. You know, that's,
0: yeah. That, yeah. that's
2: where I think it, it really gets me, is that sense of guilt for saying, I need to go to my 20-week scan, like feeling you have to give details of the, you know, comings and goings of your uterus. Um <laughs> Quite literally, uh, so that you don't feel guilt that you're slacking in some way. It's like, wouldn't it be a great world where you could just go and get your fanny looked at and not show yeah. your box?
1: I've <laughs> always said this.
0: <laughs> in my field of work, I've noticed over the years that women have left their job. As a radio presenter to have a baby, uh, not just Matt leave either, like leaving the radio station. And that might be because they, they want to, they don't want to do both. But it's partly why I was, I think, reluctant for so long to try for a baby because I just couldn't see how I do both. As a freelancer, I think, you know, we're disproportionately punished for having kids, but we then have the benefits like variable hours and potentially more like lucrative gigs. Uh, and so on. So for you, how do you see uh, being a freelancer in this day and age, especially when you have two uh, two children?
2: Well, I think it's a brave new world. You know, I think you look back even 10 years and um, parental leave wasn't being talked about, only maternity leave. You know, mm. everything was on female shoulders. It's not now. You know, I can't hear, and I'm sure you probably will agree, you know, daddy daycare or is, is he babysitting tonight? It's like, no, he wipes as much baby ass as I do he picks up the slack and I think that was something that was distinctly different even just 10 years ago you know so I think you're coming to this from a more joint perspective and I'm obviously speaking uh, in terms of having two parents you know it's very very different if you are a single parent uh, I, I absolutely understand that and that's not my experience but um I think that there is a possibility to um be more honest I think we are more human now in the workplace. And I think it was, a, it was almost like shame, shame, you know, oh, we
0: yeah. yeah.
2: literally self-flagellating for getting pregnant, shame, you know, like <laughs> yeah. your career. And it was all just downhill from there. And, um, I think now there's such big conversations happening and, um, There is companies can't hide anymore, Kate, you know, like the gender pay gap reporting, even though it was halted this year. Oh, yeah. um, Don't get me started on that. Gender pay gap reporting. Suddenly, there was nowhere for companies to hide. And the Equality and Human Rights Commission has said that the primary way to close the gender pay gap is with flexible working, is with supporting women and fathers, you know, share parental leave is on the table, but it's still got such a low uptake. And it's, again, when there's shame, it's actually the shame has gone from a woman, shame,
0: shame, to actually, you know, the CEO of a company, shame, shame. You know, your Insta Reels that make me lol on a daily basis, the subject of one of your recent ones was was interviewers asking women applying for a job if they were planning on having children. I was thinking... Seriously that doesn't still happen. I'm lucky that I me. Mean, I've been in the same job for a long time but would they ask a man the same question? No
2: and I think no. that is it, um it does still happen. You know it shouldn't but so bad. That, I think so many I've said it over and over again till I'm blue in the face but so many employers have forgotten where they came from. And you know we are a generation that's changing things. You know you're I imagine both going to, I mean, I'd love to know what your plans are, but you're both going to co-parent, right? You know, it's not just a case of, yeah. like, you know, daddy goes out and gets the bacon and slaps it on the table and then mummy cooks it. And it after-
1: I know. Well, I, what we wanted to do was look at if we could do split paternity or split parental leave is the right word, obviously. And uh, we were looking at Kate does three months and then I would do three months. And I went to my company And I said, okay, this is what I want to do. And they went, well, the problem is because she's a freelancer and she's on a contract and she's not entitled to maternity pay, you can't get paternity leave extra. You can get two weeks and that's it. That
0: pissed my life off.
1: Well, me too.
0: I mean, I'm I'm empathising. I'm in the hole. It's frustrating that I won't receive a maternity leave package. I mean, that's had a huge impact on how long I've chosen to take off as maternity leave. If I could choose how long to take off, I would definitely take six months. But it's unpaid leave. We've bills to pay, so it's been a really tough decision to know how long I take off. Also, what's like best for me and best for the baby as well.
2: That's the thing that's so hard about being a freelancer is the lack of protection. You know, like mm. you know, statutory maternity pay. You know, it won't cover the bills. There's no longevity in that, and um, I regret going back to work after a month. You know, I think that's where uh, I made some quite big. Errors in judgment because Crikey, a month. Um, you know I had a, felt a lot of pressure to uh, be someone still to be feel that my voice was relevant whereas actually what happened was I was like trying to be heard and I was kind of in the process ignoring you know the little life form on my boob um, under the glow of my iPhone as I was kind of manically working replying and responding to a world that I needed to shut the door on for a bit and I realized that everything I was fighting for I wasn't doing myself and um so I think it's we as freelancers we don't have as much support and don't have as much structure financially um you know and emotionally I think uh on how to actually navigate you know going back so soon but I think yeah in Holland they do three months uh, that's where I had my first um and that that wasn't long enough either, um, but you kind of you know. There's also, like you say, you've got to, you've got to slap that bacon on the table. Still, it's not yeah. not. A, there's no utopia. There's no you know perfect scenario. But it is, yeah, it's tough.
1: We've debated this quite a bit because initially, Kate, I think you were talking about six weeks when.
0: No, I was talking. I was talking about eight weeks. I said to you. Yeah, months.
1: no. So Kate didn't really. I, I don't think you really kind of properly thought about it. And I said to you, I was like, right. So you're going to take like three or four months, and you were like, uh. I don't know. I don't I don't think I want to be away that long. And then finally, after, you know, a bit of time talking about it, you spoke to someone who was like, yeah, for the first three months, I was like mad. I I just wasn't all there Mm. after it. You know, you have no idea what you're going to be like.
0: Luckily, my my boss has said to me that the fourth month I can work from home, I can actually do the show from home to kind of ease me back into it. Thankfully, I think they're going to let me do my show prep from home. So it means that I'm not gone for as long once I do have the baby because at the moment I'm out of the house from like one till eight every day. But and this I think night,
2: that- well, also in terms of timing of you having this baby, like the whole working from home as a radio presenter has been opened up, you know, like mm. I don't know how much that would have been facilitated a year ago. You know, so these are the things that are shifting. Is that it is possible to be a radio presenter from your kitchen table? And so that element of flexibility in the radio and in the broadcasting industry is that's a, that's an, that's a great move forward. It's a tiny block, but it's still it's a good thing. You know, I will be tuning in at three months. Going, <laughs> You're right, babe. Right.
1: <laughs> They'll just be crying. There'll be babies crying. There'll be dogs barking. It'll just be pandemonium. But you'll make it part of your show, so it's fine.
0: You know when we went into brief lockdown last month? Yeah. I was working from home and it took, I think I, I did a month working from home and it took the last show for the doorbell to go while I was actually speaking live on air and the dogs went nuts and it was a delivery and I did the whole thing on air. I was just like, wait there, my doorbell's ringing. The dogs are going crazy. <coughs> and I opened the package as well and it was something really dull for Bodge's office and I was like I'm sorry it's not more exciting but you just make you just make it work
2: and actually there's something there's real life there you know I think that's the thing that is uh, so great about radio is that it just you know you can connect in that moment because everyone else is in their houses so that's more relevant than potentially you know talking about a celebrity link or whatever
1: one thing we wanted to talk about one thing kind of really occupying mine and Kate's thinking is how the baby will change us as a couple um especially when we're going to both continue working full-time, and we're going to split the parenting, luckily, because of Kate's hours, we'll be able to do it. Um, You hear stories about how people simply kind of slip into a functional mode where you, you look after baby, you go to work, and you don't really focus on each other. So do you have any tips in that regard on how to not just become baby guardians, but still be a couple?
2: Um, I think probably the most useful nugget of information uh, Matt and I probably have for you both is um, we interviewed uh, the UK's oldest fisherman and he's been married for 72 years. And um, he said to me that um, his marriage has continued through children, through you know loss, through grief, through life because he didn't expect her to be his one and all, his, you know, together forever. And he actually ensured that when he was out fishing, it was the young guys out there who were fishing who'd haul him back on board again. It wasn't just his wife. Because if you put everything on your partner to be the comedian, to be, you know, the school form filler in, to be a good shag, to be this, to be that, all of these things, they're going to break. And he said, that's why we haven't broken, because... He said, you know, my neighbour, Norman, he's great. I have a chat with him in the morning. I go down corner shop. And he said, you know, Marge is down there. She gives me a pint of milk. And he said he just ensures that um, he respects his partner enough to not burden her with everything, and she does the same back. And I think I had burdened Matt with a lot of expectation. And uh, I think remove be together forever and being together today that shifted everything for us and you're kinder and nicer because it's I think we're a generation where we're choosing to be with our partners you're choosing to be together mm. it's not because of chattel or you know we have to marry someone or this kind of archaic way of marriage from the past um we're actually in this because we like each other and we yeah. make a baby together and it's very easy to lose that amongst all the administration of raising a child but actually I think yeah don't think about being together forever think about being together in the moment in the day
1: and i'm not gonna lie when you said he was a fisherman i thought you were gonna say how does your marriage last because i spend half of it at sea he's like no yeah i
2: just go out on my boat
1: i always remember my mate went to me can you imagine going into a phone shop and then going to you right are you happy with your contract you go yeah do you like your phone yeah everything minutes text yeah everything good okay do you want to sign a contract for the rest of your life and you'd be like no why would i i wouldn't commit like that he's like that's what marriage is like to me me <laughs> so it didn't put me off but it definitely made me look at it a different way
2: well the church uh in some places asks um couples before they get married to write down on a piece of paper you know how many kids they want where they want to live what they want to do and um my friend was saying oh yeah I had to do this before getting married and I was like that is a great idea because imagine if you like yeah I don't want kids so I do want kids you know there's lots of things you don't ask each other Mm. like you know romance and those first oxytocin fueled months where you just think the other person is amazing you don't question the big big things often and um to make sure they're aligned yeah i think it's like you can't just set off on the road without a map uh,
0: so hang on the church had them both write down separately on pieces of paper yeah. and then they kind of looked at and then they were like i'm sorry you two aren't compatible at yeah. all forget it was it
1: like mr and mrs smith then Isn't that the show where they have to guess what the other one says?
0: God knows.
2: And I think we need that more, you know, should you be setting off on the road together? But
0: you and Matt are such a solid team. You've done talks together, you've written books, you've made children. How do you find working with your partner? Because... Sometimes you and I want to kill each other and with, that's just after like an hour of podcasting.
1: Yeah. Do
2: you have creative differences then? Like, do you, how do you navigate <laughs> yeah.
1: Do we have creative differences?
2: Yeah.
1: Kate and I are very different in terms of personality. She's like massively outgoing, very much off the cuff, genius in the things that she does. She's, she's a great performer, whereas I'm a bit more kind of, I'm a bit more of a, I'm slower I like to consider things I'm a planner Methodical Yeah so Sometimes when she wants to do things And it's good that she doesn't Because it pulls me out of my comfort zone And then I do kind of Vice versa for her You know I kind of stop her being so sporadic But when you're trying to Create something It causes a fair few clashes <laughs> We get there in the end
2: it's, i don't think anyone i don't think anyone nails it kind of working together i think that nothing can prepare you for seeing your work scrubbed out with red pen by your partner that's
1: Ooh, yeah like, i would i wouldn't have the guts to do that
2: it was like what what what, what, what are you doing are you trying to edit pen? like no you don't give me the red pen but the really annoying thing is he's right he's a really good editor and that's the hardest bit is i think actually just going okay i'm not very good at this you're good at this and actually a bit like that sort of church exchange like what are we good at where are our strengths and how can we marry them together instead of trying to sort of fight each other to be right um and yeah i think we've got to a good place but i don't think we can write much more about our own experience because um, i think well there's nothing left to be honest there's nothing to talk about, um, you know, we've done porn, we've done sex, we've done parenting. Uh, I think writing the porn chapter in Where's My Happy Ending and writing the sex chapter was the most mortifying experience when my mum's mom, friend Jack said, I'm on chapter seven of your book, it's very <laughs> I was just like, oh, no, Janet, no, not, not chapter seven. Um, that was you I should have to... created
1: a specially edited one for your mum and her friends.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was like that was the handjob workshop in Amsterdam, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's not for you, Janet. That's not, well, maybe it is, you know, like, who am I to do? Yeah.
1: Janet, because the bloody book,
2: get away, Janet! <laughs>
1: um, what kind of stops at your work and when does it become collectively both of your work? I mean that in a way that no one is hammering the door down to get more bodge content, right? No one no one cares about me. Everyone comes for Kate, but then I kind of get sucked into the orbit and then I'm part of it. But it's very much kind of starts with her. How do you find that divides up between you and Matt?
2: It's uh it's complex, you know, and we've had some very difficult discussions, you know, and I think Um, a lot of it has come down to what do you want out of this? You know, and his love is of writing and my love is of broadcasting. And so they don't compete in a way. So it's kind of like it's all hands on deck, really. And I think there's no preciousness uh, about, you know, who does what. Uh, I think when you have um, kids as well, there is such a united focus because there's so much to do there that um, anything you do outside of that, it's, it's all just it's 50-50. The thing that's been interesting, and I've written about this in Grazia, is um, the shift in balance of who's the breadwinner. You know, those traditional gender roles, gender construct around who slaps that bacon on the table. It's not been about who does what, it's been about the financial side of it, that's shifting quite significantly. He used to earn a lot more, more than me, and now I earn more than him. Not that it matters, but there are these shifts, you know, that are going on, and they're things that my sister, who married a woman, doesn't have. I find interesting mm. fascinating, you know, along with an amazing wardrobe uh, they can share. <laughs> um, they don't have that gender construct around their relationship where it's like who should do what. Like, we still... In that zone to an extent, however much we're trying to break out of it. So, you know, I think we're kind of conscious of that. But um, ultimately, I have to say, he, we're a really good team, and I get the impression you both are too. And I think there's a lot of um, negativity often around him indoors, her indoors, or there's a lot of you know joking to be had. But ultimately, we fight like cat and dog. But um, he's been with me, you know, when I've been sort of hyperventilating crying and in the darkest of places and that's really what interests me more the work side of it is just a means to an end but having someone sitting next to you when you've lost a baby you know I think is um is the biggest job and that's where we are 50 50 in the best team yeah
1: amazing that's
0: super cute that's why I'm I think I came around to the idea of having a child because I knew it wasn't for me for so long but I wanted to do it with somebody I wanted to do it with somebody who was willing to share the workload because I just, I don't view like having a child as being just the mum looking after the baby anymore. It needs to be with somebody who wants to do it. The dogs are... Baxter, you're ruining it.
1: (laughs) It's funny what you say about the the kind of narrative of him indoors, her indoors. We were out a couple of years ago and I remember I was speaking to this guy and he went, you must hate your bird. I was like, No. (laughs) And he's, like, he's like, you know, he goes, he goes, like, obviously I love her, but you know, I also hate her and I can't stand her. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: Just to admit, no. you're going, yeah, she does my fucking head and I hate her. <laughs> you
1: just love them, but you hate them. I'm like, <laughs> No, no, I don't. If you do that, you should just leave her. <laughs> yeah.
2: I think that's it. We've got the option now. You can just walk.
1: Yeah, you can just go. You don't have to be here. Everyone can go wherever they want. <laughs>
2: that's really funny.
1: <laughs> Before we go, do you want to tell us about your debut novel, Underbelly, which yes. you've written with Matt?
2: Yes. This is uh, this is a complex one. So I think this is our last book together, but it's our first work of fiction. and. It's something that really arose around the kind of underbelly of the internet, like online forums, Instagrammers, the complexity of um, motherhood against the glare of an iPhone. We really felt like there was, uh, there was always judgment within parenting, breast or bottle, you know, weaning or how to wean, what weaning spoon to use, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. But I think there's been a new level of kind of judgment and all eyes on anyone with a sort of profile, understandably. And um, I think we really wanted to cut through that and see what women supporting women really means instead of just wearing mm. a T-shirt or buying the merch, um, how, you know, people online who are speaking in online forums aren't all necessarily trolls and why it's all women, you know, like it's all women in a pit of <laughs> arguing about things who did what when the patriarchy continues above their heads. And so true. It was sort of this frustration with um where we have more in common. We just can't often see each other as easily because you know social media of Instagram is so 2D. We really just wanted to both dig into that and see the people uh behind that. So the um book is based from two different women's perspectives, uh Lowe and Dylan. And It really navigates uh, what it is to parents under the glare of an iPhone, and um, it's deeply dark, a little bit comedic, um, but really it's kind of had my heart and soul poured into it, and the message I hope uh, when anyone reads it is incredibly uplifting, which is something we definitely need right now. I promise you it's good. And um, we've written it together. Uh, so it's been interesting getting Matt's perspective.
0: I love the sound of this already. Uh, is this is this the book where somebody scribbled out somebody else's work in red pen? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: <There's> a <laughs> lot of red pen scribbling and I don't even know be till death do us part uh, it might be a little premature but yeah thanks for having me on kay and um just good luck with the next few months my love it's gonna be great
0: thank you and thanks for using your platform for good as well and spreading the word about flexible working i honestly because it's helped so many parents already and it's just it's been lovely to finally chat to you right, and girl. hopefully we will get to meet each other soon and i'll have a baby and you can tell me what to do I, I
2: will, i'll be here for you ready to catch it babe
0: I blimmin' love her. Do you know what? It takes so much to put yourself forward to campaign for something that you know is right, but has so much pushback and always has.
1: Yeah, definitely. I'm just pleased that one of the unintended consequences of the pandemic is that flexible working is being considered as a more realistic option, right? Hope is once we're done with all the shit bits, you know, the virus, vaccine comes... Bosses will realise that having someone chained to a desk isn't the only way to make sales.
0: You couldn't resist it, revenue could you? You couldn't help yourself.
1: Leads <laughs> from your sofa.
0: Anyway, we mentioned an email that we'd received, and this was off the back of the baby naming episode last week, and it's from Hayley Helen Hunt, who says, do you know how difficult it is choosing a baby name when your surname is Hunt? You can't have any of the following.
1: Here we go. Isaac. Go on, Isaac. Isaac Hunt. Oh, okay.
0: You can't have Mike. <laughs> Or Jake. Do you know what? Anything that ends with a C or a K.
1: And if your name's Jeremy Hunt... Well, so. then, yeah,
0: you're just a c- <laughs> um And it doesn't really matter. We'll bleep that. Anyway, we have a request. Next week's episode is our Christmas Q&A. The handsome and I thought it'd be nice to take questions from you about anything and everything. that it have to be baby-related. And we are going to be recording this on Christmas
1: Day. Hold on. Not only do I have to do all the cooking... Now you're telling me we've got to do a podcast as well. Well,
0: you're not cooking for many people anymore, are you? Because we're not having anyone over.
1: But I mean, I can't cook half the turkey. I've still got to cook... Lots of food.
0: What else are we going to be doing Christmas Day night?
1: If you give me that much turkey, I'm gone. I'll be asleep by eight.
0: No. Have an afternoon nap and then we're going to record the podcast. There's
1: also a danger I'll have too much champagne on the day.
0: Oh, I'm so jealous. I can't get drunk with you.
1: Just me and my own. It's a bit <laughs> sad, really, isn't it? When you think it about it. It is
0: really sad. That's why I thought we'd do the Christmas Q&A. Which well,
1: because... is to pretend we've got friends here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're taking your questions uh, for next week's episode. If you want to email us a question, you can. It's maybebabycast at gmail.com. You can ask us anything, yeah.
1: literally anything. I mean, we won't answer just anything. I will. Obviously.
0: I'm an oversharer. You I will are. answer. I will answer anything. <laughs> anything you want to know, I will answer it. Maybebabycast at gmail.com.
1: She's a nightmare.
0: Come on, let's go and get COVID test. Bye.